Hi, this is Cheryl Grayson, wide receiver with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, four-time NCAA champ, seven-time NCAA All-American at LSU, and now Super Bowl champion. You're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, and who's not listening to Pro Sports Podcasters? We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. With your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your one and only host today because none of my friends love me. I'm just kidding. Kobe tried to be here, but Clean Feed, which is what we used to record on, has other issues and plans for him. And he's supposed to be going on vacation tomorrow, but Clean Feed evidently let him off early. So today, ladies and gentlemen, it's me and our guest. And this guest... Oh my God. So I've heard this guy before. Kobe and Nee talk about him all the time. He's on the Packers Network. He has a daily show from noon to three on iHeart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Bill Schmidt. Bill, how you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, hopefully there is only one because uh, I don't know that the world can handle uh, enough of this nonsense. I appreciate you having me on tonight, dude. This is going to be fun. Man, I appreciate you coming on and thank you again for being so cool with the tech issues that we had. Um, when in doubt, blame people who aren't here. So we're going to blame me and Kobe. <laughs> I love it. Yes. They can't say anything. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I mean, Kobe edits this, so he'll hear this, probably laugh, shoot me a text, but it's okay. And if he wants to cut it out, that's fine. That's now, fine. now we'll we'll know, and we'll be able to call him out on that. So that that's a good personal joke that we'll have to do. Personally, exploit my own people. All right. So first things first, <laughs> I'd be remiss to ask, what is going on with Aaron Rodgers? If I knew, I'd have a whole lot of extra money in my pocket. I tell you that, man. <laughs> um, th- there's a lot to it. There's there's so many different parameters I think that have been put around the conversation and a ton of different there there's a lot of opinions and, and frankly there's only one that really matters I think we all know that it's uh it's Aaron Rodgers opinion as to what his 19th season looks like it, it's a it's a long ranging question cuz I think the last 3 years have really uh, I guess dampened the excitement around Aaron's name for quite some time. Now he's, I think, uh, admittedly done some of that himself. Yep. But he's a complicated fella, as the uh, Packers president once said. I think that was last off season. They all kind of run together, mm-hmm. and you kind of lose the benefit of the doubt. I think when people aren't able to relate to you, and, and I think that's the one part uh, of Aaron that has been on full display that that he's he's a very different guy he's he lives a different life than i think uh most people especially people in this region uh up here in wisconsin it's a very different lifestyle and he uh he's never been able to fully break away from what people think of in wisconsin to people who live in like california east coast west coast people what have you there's there's kind of your preconceived notions and uh, this one, the ayahuasca trips, the darkness <laughs> retreat that we've done a whole lot of studying on, 
it's just a lot of stuff that a lot of Americans wouldn't do. A lot of people in the world wouldn't do. So there's obviously questions and then some jokes that come with it. And uh, man, he likes being in the midst of conversation. I don't know that it's controversy. I don't know that he likes all the spotlight, but the conversation, I think he absolutely likes. So it's a, it's a wide ranging answer. And I got a whole lot of different avenues that we could, you know, really go down with it. But I think the one part of it, Justin, that's really tough is he comes after a situation with Brett Favre that was extremely personal to a lot of Packer fans because I think everything I explained about Aaron and the inability to relate with people in Wisconsin, Brett was a Wisconsinite from the South because that's kind of what you know Mississippi ended up being, a very similar demographic, a very similar situation uh as it is in Wisconsin, there, there's a lot of hunting, there's a lot of fishing, there's a lot of beer drinking, there's a lot of talking about football. And he related very well to people in Wisconsin. There's an incredible love for Brett. And then how messy it got, uh, Packer fans were maybe a little, uh, if we're talking about it relationship-wise, right? Maybe a little wounded. Mm. You, you needed somebody on the other side that could help you through it. And, uh, you know, play-wise, Aaron absolutely, uh, you know, at a lot of different junctures exceeded the pretty incredible standard that Favre set forth before him. And personality wise, uh, I think is, and obviously end of the career is starting to lean in on that same path and people are, are quite frustrated with it. So I think he gets a lot of maybe, I, I don't know that unfair is the right word, but there's a lot of angst with it, and I think it comes from uh, decades even before he was a member of the Green Bay Packers. That's fair. Do you, do you feel like he, you know, Bill, do you feel like Aaron got crazy after the money, or was he always crazy and the money just kind of allowed him to come through? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, and this is, you know, the crazy part of it that I think is 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 tough, too, because he's always been a, a very different thinker. I didn't listen. I can't say that I, I went through the entire 111 minutes uh, of every ins and outs with Aubrey Marcus, but there's some there's some stuff that happened uh, in Aaron's childhood that at this point seemingly doesn't sit very well with him. Um, obviously, you know it played out pretty publicly the dispute that he has with his family. I, I, I use has because I don't know that it's really been rectified when his brother was. When his brother was on The Bachelor and says, you know, we don't really talk to my brother Aaron all that much, that was, you know, close to 10 years ago. So I think that there's always been, he's always been an extremely smart individual, always been a real free thinker. So I think it is, it's kind of always been there, maybe the the inherent difference uh, in thought that he's got a away from a lot of different people. However, um, the last three years and the publicity and the notoriety and, you know, just the, the thirst for public knowledge that we've had and his openness to sharing when he goes on the Pat McAfee show, I think that also really jolted it. And the other part of it here, and, and I think this is where the real crazy comes into it is, 
you know, he's very open with disagreeing with people. And uh, in today's society, man, that's a that's a fun fun way to live, I guess. <laughs> it sure opens you up for a yep. whole lot of problems. And uh, he is never ever going to shy away from a conversation, right? Doesn't mean that it's got to be, uh, you know, anger filled, venom filled, or what. But he's very much in for a conversation, and you're going to hear his thoughts as well as listen to yours. So that kind of breeds conflict, and uh, he's never going to shy away from that. That's for sure. If you had a hundred dollars to give out, where would you? What or what do you think is going to happen to Aaron Rodgers? I would have had a different answer for you, Justin, probably last week. Um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've been pretty sold on the fact that I don't think he returns to the Packers, that I thought that he would end up finishing his career elsewhere throughout the entire season. Mm. I was pretty dialed in on the fact that I thought he was going to retire at the end of the year, uh, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the uh, end of the season outcome was. Obviously, they lose. They don't make the playoffs. Has the first uh, non-playoff season since 18 when Mike McCarthy got fired in the middle of the year. So uh, I th- am pretty sure that he wants to play. That That's the one guarantee that I could make is I don't believe retirement right now uh, is, in, is uh, in play. And I really do think the more and more that it comes to what he wants to do, I think he wants to play for the Green Bay Packers in 2023. Whether or not the Packers want him to be playing for him, and and if it gets really messy for their way of trying to get out of the Aaron Rodgers business, uh, man, I'd need a lot better odds if I was putting down that hundred dollars to uh, make sure that he's back <laughs> with the Packers. Because there's a lot of opinions, uh, no doubt about it, in, in the media and uh, up in Green Bay. I think uh, about Aaron right now. You know what? That's totally fair. And like I said, I'm not so much the NFL guy, but Aaron Rodgers has made it to my feed. So that means it's kind of For a sure. big deal. I'm not going to lie. That and when his like foot was an injury or something, and I kept seeing his, his toe everywhere. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, and and dude, that was that was the heart of it. And that's where the controversy comes into is, uh, you know, he found an opportunity to really get into a little conflict. And, and as he said, educate some people. So he he took that chance, and yeah, he showed his feet to people, and generally, um, you know, you get paid for that. They they, they <laughs> only fans pay big money for for stuff uh, in that region. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, switching gears over to the NBA a little bit, who do you think has made the best moves at this trade deadline? Hard to say anybody made a better move than Phoenix. Um, <laughs> when, when you're able. Right when you're able to go in and grab Kevin Durant, uh, I think from from an ability to get the most out of a return, um, I'm pretty impressed by what Brooklyn ended up getting for you know Kevin and Kyrie. Uh, I think they were their backs were really against the wall with both situations, and to uh, to get Mikhail Bridges, who is already a, a top defender in the game on ball and and off uh, on the perimeter, who realistically, I think he can average 20, 25 a game. Uh, And those are no slight, no slow numbers to just throw around. I think he's shown that in the last couple of months, even when Kevin Durant wasn't there playing in, uh, or when I should say Devin Booker wasn't playing in Phoenix before the trade. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Brooklyn deserves some credit for what they did. The other one, and, and this is kind of a, a, 
off the wall answer, I think the New York Knicks got a lot better as they've kind of continued to decide that they're going to fully build around Jalen Brunson and all that. Uh, you know, go and get somebody that he's comfortable with and Josh Hart. They play really hard and they have some guys who now, uh, already have realized in the NBA, this is a tough thing, I think, in, in the association to understand that you're a role player and a lot of guys, once you find that out and you can become a star in your role, uh, your, your career can really take off from there. And, and I think Hart is one of those dudes, uh, that, that the Knicks were able to, and, you know, offloading certain guys that were disgruntled, I think is also a big part of it. So I really liked what the Knicks did. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I liked what my Milwaukee Bucks did going on in here and, uh, being able to solidify a defensive need with, uh, Jay Crowder and such. How far do you think the Bucks are going to go this year? Well, I got a couple of uh, tickets that would suggest that I think they go to the NBA Finals. Those would be uh, Eastern Conference Championship winner investment tickets. Uh, I, th- I think it's it's a two-horse real race in the East between the Bucks and Celtics, uh, the two teams that met up last year in, in that second-round series that went seven. It, it, to me, feels like Boston-Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals and let the chips fall where they may. I, I think the Bucks right now have the best player in the series. Last year didn't have their second best player. This year, their second best player is Drew Holiday. So yep. even if Chris Middleton uh, is not as as healthy, I think as he was, uh, he was unavailable all of the last playoff run last year when when he goes down. Uh, against Miami, I believe it was, or Chicago, pardon me. That part of it, I think they would have in Drew Holiday. His offensive game has really stepped up uh, as well. So I I think it's – I'm going to go with my heart here, and a head is as 50-50 as it gets. So I think they can very well go to the NBA Finals, uh, play in the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston. And I say all of that to say this. I think whoever wins that series between Boston – and Milwaukee ends up winning the championship. I think they're the two best teams in the league. Uh, so I think they can absolutely win it. It just depends on if they can get past that team that last year knocked them out and, you know, deserves the right. They're the reigning champs, so you got to knock them on off to be able to say that you're anything but champs. I think the Larry OB is going to go to the East, no doubt about it. Um, will it go to the Bucks? That's all going to depend on Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's been mm-hmm. – like he's on my fantasy and he was injured and uh, I, I'm almost starting to get a little trust issues with, with Giannis this season. What say you, Bill? He's an interesting case in that, uh, that point, man, he, uh, he firmly seems to buy into the idea that he needs to play every single game. Um, he has in the last couple of weeks gone down with some, some injuries that pause you. I was in the uh, the press box the other night uh, when they played Miami on that Friday night, and he asks to come out in his 10 years in the city. I don't know that I've seen him ask out of a game. So mm-hmm. that was concerning right away. And I'm back on Sunday for the matinee against Phoenix, and he's penciled into the starting lineup, not even on the injury report. So uh, he's an elastic cat, man. He's the rubber band, man. I watched him in game four of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021 almost assuredly tear up everything in his knee against the Atlanta Hawks, and then he played in game one of the finals like 10 days later. So uh, the injuries with Giannis... I'm going to knock on every piece of wood around me in this apartment to make sure uh, that I'm not jinxing anything. But 
he will show up. Uh, I think that's the the one deal there. But the health is is absolutely a factor. Last year, they didn't have Brooke Lopez pretty much the entire regular season. He came back in the playoffs, and right once he got to about full strength, they lose Chris Middleton. So you, you can say uh, health aside, they're the best in the league, but you can't just put that aside because you do have to stay healthy for essentially like a – two-month tournament to win the championship. So uh, the health is a factor. But for Giannis in particular, that guy is built uh, just a little bit differently. It's impressive to watch the way that he comes back from things. He is definitely a beast. And you know what I was thinking? If this man goes down, we can always have his brother step up and finally play some minutes. Yeah, no, we're we're gonna try to not do that. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate the excitement. Uh, we we love Thanasis in the city of Milwaukee, but uh, you know he uh, he puts in a full forty eight minutes out of this. Just his forty eight minutes are best spent the way he's doing it. I mean, just bringing all sorts of energy to that bench and you know waving that towel. Fantastic at it. Fantastic at it. I feel so bad. Can you imagine like your brother's essentially the star, and you're just like he's my baby brother. And I'm just on the bench. Just and and collecting a nice paycheck at that, right? Like, I mean, it's he he's hanging out. Uh he gets in for the the mop-up duty. And I'm telling you, man, uh, you want to get some energy. You hear Pfizer Forum when Thanasis comes into the game. Place goes freaking nuts. Uh they love that guy. And he loves his brother, and his brother loves him enough that he's continually on the team. And as long as his brother's coming on out here for 10 game stretches, averaging 37, averaging 37 and 13, or something like he was earlier on in this uh, winning streak that they have, you go right ahead. Uh, sign your other brother. He's up on the, uh, Oshkosh team. So they got like the, the NBA and then the G League team, right? So the G League team, uh, is about an hour north of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And his younger brother, Alexis, Alex, I believe, is on that team. And Kosas might be on the Toronto team, or, or maybe I have those wrong. Alex is still uh, getting into the G League. But yeah, there was a moment where they had three Atetacumbos in the under the Milwaukee Bucks umbrella. And I can only imagine they've uh, started to look into how they secure the draft rights of his two youngest sons. So they're, <laughs> they're trying to make sure that they put everybody on payroll if it means that they keep Giannis around. Well, I was going to say, so the, the third one, Alexis, the, the youngest 21-year-old, he played for the 905 Raptors, especially when Giannis's, uh contract was up. And there was whispers and rumors of Masai Ujiri giving Alexis a two-way deal or a deal with the Raptors just to entice... Giannis, but then that didn't happen. Uh, now, Do anything you can. Literally. Now he's with the uh, the G League team. And the other brother, the uh, 25-year-old, can't remember his name. He plays for Fibonacci. Or not Fibonacci. For Fibonacci? Okay, yes. that That's uh, that's Costas. So Alex, the youngest brother, was playing high school ball uh, in the Milwaukee area. And uh, whew, you want to talk about crowds coming on out because they thought, holy cow, maybe on an off night you're going to see Giannis. No, you're going to see his uh, 16-year-old brother running up and dunking on kids. Uh, and that was that was a sight to be seen as well as uh, the whole family. Well, once they came on over, and there was a great piece actually in the Milwaukee paper uh, the last week or so during the All-Star break about how the family comes on over to America. It really is. It's a movie about it as well, but it's a, it's a true American dream, and he's got all of his brothers now playing and making money in professional basketball. It's pretty, it's an amazing, amazing story. I do remember also there was one time I saw a photo where like there was 
two with Milwaukee and one with the Lakers. And I was like, that's a cool – that was a cool little trio they had yes. there. Yes, yep. And and that was before – just I think that was before he signed the Supermax deal. So there are many people in Wisconsin that were saying, hey, you go and sign that other brother. Make sure that he doesn't – start trying to talk to uh, LeBron or talk to LeBron and talk to his brother, but you know, maybe you should be hanging out here with LeBron <laughs> because no, we don't want you going to Los Angeles. That was right after they won the title yeah. and his younger brother ended up winning a championship before Giannis. So uh, Bucks had to go and rectify that the next year. And they did in <laughs> style. Sign up to so rare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform scout, collect and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. So Rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because process podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare's a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Now we're going to switch over to MLB, Bill, if you're interested. Let's do it. All right. Will the MLB change, like like the base change, result in more stolen bases? That I think for sure. Um, but... The guy that I do uh, our midday show with, Mike Heller, he's actually out uh, at spring training for the Brewers right now mm-hmm. and was speaking to a player earlier on today about how potentially the pitch clock could impact more stolen bases than just the size of the bases, right? Because, I mean, you know, three inches amongst friends. Uh, I've been told size doesn't matter, so that <laughs> that probably shouldn't be that big of a deal. But the, the ability, right, like a – good edge rusher does in football to kind of time up the snap with the play clock, knowing, you know, the quarterback's got to snap the ball before uh, they get a delay of game penalty. So he'll be able to get just an inherent little bit of a jump. These base dealers are going to be able to see the pitch clock. And if they know that the guy on the mound has already, you know, stepped off once. And I think it's, you can step off twice. If you step off a third time and don't get the runner out. Uh, he's already he's automatically to the next base because it's an automatic box. So I think that part of it as well, you'll see a lot of base stealers kind of finessing the clock, trying to see if they can time themselves up some jumps. There's absolutely going to be more guys on the base paths uh, running this year, no doubt about it. I also think it's because there's some really damn good athletes in Major League Baseball that you're going to be able to swipe a base. Uh, catchers had gotten so good with their pop times and whatever analytic had made base stealing kind of irrelevant. I do think that definitely takes a, a leap this year, which will make it all all the more fun. I used to do post games 
in in town for for the Brewers, and I really wish they were doing these pace of play rules when I was doing that. Because Justin, I'll tell you the amount of last calls that <laughs> I would have been able to hit after those shows if these games were you know two hours and thirty minutes instead of three hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, Bill, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited for a bit of a shorter game, especially given the fact that us millennials have a short attendance band. But no I'll doubt, s- I mean, it, it's going to cut down. You can we can only get like one TikTok on it through in between each pitch so it's it's definitely gonna change that up <laughs> that's how we measure time now just <laughs> physics class or two, right <laughs> so bill and justin are having a conversation <laughs> and uh, they go through three tiktok videos during the time of a pitch how much time is that in seconds <laughs> it's, man it's funny and and you just think about it like the amount of people at games that Oh, the inherent time that you thought was just kind of dull time. I'm excited to get this thing moving because it, as as young people, Justin, you know, this probably too as dude that likes the game and mm. hear people bash about it because it's too boring. It'll definitely help because uh, it'll be a little bit quicker. Not as, you know, up and down as the NBA that everybody loves, but it'll give you a little something. It'll give you a little something, something. A little boost for your juice. Now, also quick question for you regarding the outfield shift. Does this mean we're going to get the contact hitter back? I don't know. <laughs> I, I get into this a lot with people because uh, I don't know where you fall in on the bunting side of the conversation, but these guys don't get paid to bunt. Um, until guys are really getting paid to hit singles and doubles, um, that's when the contact hitter comes back. I, I think right now, dude, it's been so ingrained in players' minds that you're going to get paid for hitting balls over the fence. And, and I think that's where the launch angle really came into it and really came into effect was how am I going to guarantee that I'm getting a raise in arbitration if I'm not there? Or how am I going to make sure that my worth is X, Y, and Z once I finally get to free agency and I can cash in? So until they start paying dudes for high average, low power, then I'll start buying it. But I think the rule change itself with the outfield shift more than anything, Justin, I think what it does is gives those big left-handed power hitters a couple additional hits along the way because, you know, that one liner right into the middle, short middle area of right field is going to be a base hit again. It's not going to be an out, which it has been for the last, you know, five or six years, but uh, they're still paying dudes to hit the ball over the fence. So I'm not fully sold that the contact hitter is uh, back in 2023 quite yet. I love that answer. That was more than I thought you were going to give me. I thought you'd have been like, no, no, and that's it. Then move on. Mm-mm, no, because I'm I'm a businessman here, Justin, as, as we all are. So we gotta you follow the money. I think you can uh, you figure out where some of these deals end up going. We freaking love this. Moving forward, we're going to switch gears again because you're so diverse, Bill. One of the most diverse people we've had. Feel like talking some hockey? Yeah, let's let's do it. Why not? All right. How close? So, because of your lovely team, the Admirals, how close of a relationship do you guys have with the Predators? And do you follow the Predators like they are your own team? So, in the area, it's a good question because in the Milwaukee area, there are inherently a ton of Chicago Blackhawk fans. The only team that I know has like legit fans of Wisconsin teams cheering for a team in Chicago. So I can't get down with that. I'm not interested in, in following them, especially after, uh, you know, their situation came out from their, I believe it was the 2010 Stanley Cup final. Good way to, to 
bash Chicago because they decided to you know turn ahead that way, and they just traded Patrick Kane. So why on earth would you be watching that squad instead? No, I've uh, I've adopted one team uh, right now and outside of the Nashville Predators because as you mentioned, I uh, I do some work with the Milwaukee Admirals. I do a little game night hosting little and uh, pump pump up the crowd at, at Admirals games. So I follow along with the guys that have elevated to Nashville. So that part of it is kind of cool. You get the the normal names and spent a couple of uh you know nights on certain streets out here with some of those players that are now uh there in Nashville. But I'm a big time Vegas guy, so I, I follow the Golden Knights a little bit more maybe than uh, than the Preds, but the Preds definitely have a following here. But the big one is, and as much as I hate it, it's it's the Blackhawks, which generally get the most conversation up here. Which is so interesting because given the fact there is a poop ton of Canadians on your team, even your uh, Swedish dude, Adam Willsby, he's from Newmarket, Ontario. So I thought just through nepotism, it might have been the Leafs, might have been the Montreal Canadiens, but I'm shooketh and a little disappointed that Chicago is the one that came through. Oh, God. Yeah, it's really frustrating. They used to come on up here a little bit. And play some games. Now, there's there's a whole history lesson that I could give you, if you know, for a whole nother time of the backstory. I was constant was supposed to get a couple of NHL teams. I believe they thought they were going to get one when maybe Florida became an expansion team, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. A couple down there, down south, maybe Arizona, uh, but. The Blackhawks actually have it in a contract with the NHL of some territorial rights that pro- have prohibited Milwaukee from getting an NHL team a couple of different times when they built the arena that was the Bradley Center. It was owned or was donated, I should say, to the city mm-hmm. with the sole purpose of getting an NHL team. They only played NHL preseason games there uh, because the Blackhawks would never let Milwaukee get a team. That is so interesting. I mean, we kind of have that situation with Toronto as well. Hamilton is itching and scratching for a team, but Toronto and Buffalo are like, nah, which Hamilton is a city that's like relatively close to us. Oh, okay. Sure. But like, it's still like a 45 minute drive. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just, I don't know. It's like profit sharing in something. Ah. Well, and you would think that at some point it would just garner more interest in the sport and everybody would have one of those, you know, everybody can eat mantras about it. But no, it's uh, it's greed, it's selfishness. And, uh, you know, the words family has been doing that for a while there in Chicago. So I- I'm excited. Uh, we-, we got one of the best teams in the American Hockey League right now. Yes, you Th- do. These Milwaukee Admirals might put themselves a, a ring on their fingers. They uh, They could have. I thought had one in 2020 before uh, before the pandemic. So the boys are uh, are trying to get one of them things this year in that Calder Cup playoff race. As uh, as Leaf fans, our Marley players got the Calder Cup, but I believe in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So I to- okay. I totally get how impressive the Calder Cup championship is. It's no small feat. But the thing is, word of warning: when you win the Calder Cup, European teams come a knocking at the door. A lot of like Germany too will come and steal some of your players. Oh, that makes sense. Well, in you know, that's what I was kind of anticipating because I'm watching Nashville uh, ship on off players like Tanner Janot, mm-hmm. uh, who they just uh, just let go was he was in Milwaukee. I want to say for like two years, he was a captain in Milwaukee. Uh, fun, fun dude. That's for sure. Really good guy. And uh, he just got traded. So I, I was worried this way. I've always wondered how good it is for the organization to have a really good, you know, 
American League team when your National Hockey League team is, uh, yeah, skipping a little bit. <laughs> so I'm worried about a couple of our guys getting sent on over to Nashville towards Broadway when we need to have them stay here on State Street uh, and play for the Milwaukee Admirals. We don't we need them, you know, grabbing those extra checks up there. But I always want to have money go to the boys. So if they're they're getting NHL game checks, that's good for the kids. So I'm I'm down with that. Bill, I feel you. It's one of those bittersweet moments where you're just like, oh, yeah, you have to leave us, but also I want you to stay, but also make your money, boo-boo. Yeah, go go get yours. Go get yours. We'll be back here whenever you're ready to come on back and celebrate. We're like parents at that point. Be like, <laughs> we're so right? proud of you. Come back for dinner. I'm so proud, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill, one more question before we get to the silly questions and before we let you go. Have you heard the news about John Morant recently? Yeah, I have not read the entire Washington Post article, but uh, mm, yeah, that's a that's a hell of a, a, a news story right there, huh? So I made a TikTok about it and I actually got censored because they used the word bulletproof. But I made like a little skit about playing pickup ball with him. So for those who don't know, and just a little recap for you so you don't have to read the article, uh, it's been reported that in last summer, John Morant was playing a pickup game with a bunch of teenagers, and then he reportedly punched a teenager 10 times and then threatened him with a gun. Allegedly. Now, if wow, the, wow, 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 wow. If you're the NBA, not, we're not even going to say the specific team. If you're just an NBA, if you're the NBA, what do you do at this point? Obviously, you investigate. Do you let John Moran play? Does that not leave, uh, like credence to the, to the family who are victims of this? Like, what, what do you do as a professional at this point? Man, that's a that's a hundred million dollar question. Alabama going through kind of the same deal with uh, with their star freshman Brandon Miller. Um, now this one very different because uh, allegedly again the gun was in Jaw's hand, unlike mm-hmm. uh, the situation with that tragically took that young lady's life down there in Tuscaloosa. Um, Morant's an interesting case here, Justin, where. I've always wondered, and I think we've heard different players talk about it, that you are still somewhat beholden to the people that you grew up with and uh, the the kind of, you know, persona that you still want to exude. Man, John Morant is a a superstar. To, to borrow a, a Stephen A. Smith term, cat's box office, right? Like, I mean, you show up to see John Morant play and, and to possibly think that a pickup game is worth risking any bit of what your name is and your reputation is, uh, it's really disheartening from like a maturity standpoint, right? Where you could possibly let something like that enter your your stratosphere your aura you should be so far above whatever that was whatever that little pickup game whatever that 17 year old kid was saying to a dude who is a made all-star in the nba uh it's it's a maturity situation and you really hope that he in particular because at the end of the day and and i know the question ultimately justin right is like what should the organization do Mm -hmm. you know that is that that's to their owner pardon me governor but from just a human being side of it you got to trust that players are going to mature at some point that's where you know there there's some serious stuff that John Morant would have to be figuring out uh personally as to what do you want most and what are you willing to do for it cuz what this report is 
uh, isn't somebody that's trying to be the leader of an NBA championship team. He's somebody that wants it would be that wants to be in the NBA and have all the uh, the other things come with it. And really true detractors just take away from how damn good the dude is. Yeah, no, he's I'm worried this is going to hinder his career just a little bit. I imagine a little, um, and, and we've seen it with others, you know, players and and different sports as well. A young man at the uh, NFL draft from Georgia, Jalen Carter. Uh, you you wonder how it, it it hinders his career. Hinder is the real best word because you just never know. Um, I doubt, like I would say, that it ends his career. Right. You, generally something different than that but uh it'll definitely be a talker that's for sure and it'll be something that follows him for the rest of his career no doubt about it i don't expect jaw to play really good until this gets resolved i mean it's got to be weighing on his mind a lot i wonder if it was weighing on his mind though last night when he busted out the sharpshooter uh celebration when i think desmond bain hit a three in the corner so there's a like it said there's a lot in there that that has to be ironed out for jaw I, I totally agree. Bill, before we get you out, we're going to ask you a couple silly questions here to kind of leave you on a smiling note, as if you weren't already smiling as it is. I've been smiling the whole time, Justin. Let me hear it. All right. Have you ever had a Canadian dish called a poutine? Ooh, 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 ooh. At the state fair. Now, can you uh, can you make sure that I have this right? The poutine is like the tater top base? Uh, so the poutine is fries? Cheese curds okay, yep. and gravy. Yep, 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 and yep. All three of them <laughs> together had it in that tr- that exact same way. Uh, all three are good together, but it was a it was a real doozy right there at the Wisconsin State Fair. I love to hear that. Uh, now, did you know in Canada we add different uh, toppings to it? We have like pulled pork, we have pulled chicken, we can add like hot sauce and barbecue sauce stars. Yeah, I, I'm all in on that. When when you say we're adding in different ingredients, um, I had to pause for a quick second. But yeah, if you're throwing meat on there, I, I'm definitely involved. Yeah, this, this sounds like something I could get down with. Perfect. Have you had the Canadian dish, a beaver tail? Um, A couple of beaver tails in my day. I don't know that it was the Canadian dish. Let me hear this one. <laughs> we call those type of people busy beavers up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic oh, so what is a beaver tail i gotta figure out if i'm making this this weekend so a beaver tail is basically a doughy dessert so imagine almost like a pancake or waffle but elongated so about a foot long and uh they come in various sizes and it has anything from like powdered sugar to like um bananas and nutella on it to whatever you want Ooh. like oh it's it's delicious it's like where a pie meets a waffle almost okay yeah yeah i can get down with this i gotta find a place that that serves beaver tail where i can you know try oh sorry a beaver tail (laughs) here's the other one very much there there's a couple of different places okay yeah i mean i found out in australia they have one and it's called four floors of whores so (laughs) i said that las vegas is one of my favorite places in the world they can find you one of those towers as well there i think that's that's something I've, I've heard people venture to, and I'm like, listen, I don't think I could ever do it. Nothing against anyone who can. I just... <laughs> you go live your life. Go I have go, fun. Go live your life. I'm going to go watch like AHL games. You know what I mean? Yep. I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be over <laughs> here minding my own life. 
<laughs> Bill, where can our fans find you on social media? You're such a great guy. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you can find me at Bill Schmidt Radio. That's S-C-H-M-I-D. I'm a low T guy, so no T in that name. Um, but no, man, we, we hang out. I uh, work at uh, the game here in Milwaukee, uh, and you can find us all there. Uh, like I said, at Bill Schmidt Radio, I'm out there on Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, all of it the same. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on, man. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate you, too. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.